Well, good morning, and thank you for being here. Right here in the middle of March Madness, right? So I, I think we, we just need to do this. If you're watching from around the world, you know, we're in Michigan here, Northridge Church, all three of our campuses, and we have two Michigan teams that are still in March Madness. So i just kind of curious, uh, at all of our campuses, how many of you are for green and white? Very ugly colors. Uh, <clears throat> just kidding. How many of you are for maize and blue? <laughs> yeah. Uh, our, our broadcast campus is here in Plymouth, and, uh, you know, uh, Ann Arbor just won. But I think in some of the outlier regions, it's a little bit different. But the good news is, no matter who goes all the way, Michigan wins. And I like that a lot. Uh, the state of Michigan wins. So that's terrific. Uh, thanks for being here. If you're a guest, welcome to Northridge. We're in a series called Breaking Through. And as you saw on the video bumper, we're talking this weekend. Our conversation is centered on the idea of breaking through failure. And I thought as a way to get into the conversation this weekend, it'd be fun to interact with each other and actually uh, converse with one another. And so we're going to play a game about name that person. All right, name that person. I'm going to read a description, and then you can, if you think you know the answer, you can kind of say that out loud. Now, here's the thing. If you get up and scream like a maniac, we are going to have security take you out. I mean, that's just uh, that's the way that's going to happen. But you can just shout it out loud if you kind of think you know what's going on, all right? So here's the first one. He wasn't able to speak until he was almost four years old. And his teacher said he would never amount to much. I have a lot of people here saying Einstein, Albert Einstein, theoretical physicist and Nobel Prize winner. He had better things to do than talk when he was young. He was thinking, you know. Next one, he was, de uh, uh, was demoted from her job as a news anchor because she wasn't fit for television. Oprah. I don't know why we put the last name on there. It uh, doesn't really matter. She's a one-name person. But yeah, multi-award winning show and, you know, most influential woman in the world, most people say. And here's another description. Fired from a newspaper for lacking imagination and having no original ideas. Have a couple of people saying Walt Disney, and that is correct. Creator of Mickey Mouse, no imagination whatsoever. Winner of two, 22 Academy Awards. What a loser, right? I mean, seriously. Uh, be wary of people who call themselves experts. They have no clue what they're talking about, right? All right? Another one. At 30 years old, he was left devastated and depressed after being unceremoniously removed from the company he started. Steve Jobs lost his job, but got it back, and Apple now rules the world almost. Uh, he, not only did he co-found Apple, but he co-founded Pixar, which is one of the most uh, sensational animation studios uh, on the planet. It is the most sensational. Another one, and this is an interesting one. After being cut from his high school basketball team, he went home, locked himself in his room, and cried. Mm. 
Yep. Had no talent for basketball, so he took up public speaking. As if he has talent for that. But Michael Jordan is also right. You know, couldn't play basketball at all. Can you imagine the coach that cut him? I don't think he made a career out of coaching. Uh, another one, a teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything and that he should go into a field where he might succeed by virtue of his pleasant personality. I also thought about putting my picture with this one, but that'd be the wrong answer. Can you guess? Nope, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, crazy. Good guess on uh, Bezos, though. Another one, rejected by Decca Recording Studios, who said, we don't like their sound, and they have absolutely no future in show business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard all boomer voices right there, you know? <laughs> Millennials and Z going, who? Uh, no, I'm kidding, the Beatles. Uh, unbelievably, another thing, have you ever heard of Decca recording? Yeah, there's a reason why, uh, they had no clue. His first book was rejected by 27 publishers, 27, guess? Oh, I, I heard a couple of you say his name, Dr. Seuss, best-selling children's author in history. Actually, I, I, had, did, I had no idea he looked like this, did any of you? I actually thought he was green, and uh, <laughs> I always knew he liked eggs and ham, though, so that was kind of interesting. By the way, for you or a guest, it doesn't get any better than this, so, you know. <laughs> His fiance died, he failed in business, had a nervous breakdown, and was defeated in eight elections. Yeah, a couple of you said it right, Abraham Lincoln, 16th President of the United States, many think the greatest president that we ever had, and all he did was fail before he became president. Isn't that crazy? Hey, here's the point. If you've never failed, you've never really tried. In fact, can I, can I just say it a little bit better than I, th I think? If you've never failed, you've never lived. Here's the reality that I want you to see as we go into this conversation this weekend. We all have failed and will fail. This is a part of our humanity. It's a part of, you know, our wiring as human beings. I mean, we all have failed and will fail. And this is, this is really true in every area of our lives. The problem isn't that we've all failed because that's a common denominator we have. The problem is that by nature, I mean, Literally, by nature, we don't tend to deal with our failures properly. That's the problem. What we do is we, we try and hide it or deny it or pretend it's not there, create perceptions that we're not that, and it's, it doesn't help us at all. Here, here's why it's an issue not to properly deal with your, with your failures. Undealt with failure leads to devastating and destructive consequences in our lives. It's not that we fail, because we all do, it's that we don't deal with it properly. And here's the result of not dealing with it properly. We tend to allow our past failures then, because we haven't dealt with them, we haven't 
we haven't gotten past them. We haven't broken through them. We tend to allow them to become our present roadblocks. They keep us in the present from becoming everything we should become. In other words, because we don't deal with our past problems well, we don't get rid of them and overcome them and break through, they lead us to more failures today. It's devastating, it's dangerous, it's horrible. And in every area of our lives, this is true. In our relational lives, you know, when we don't deal with the failures in our relational lives, we keep failing. They block us from experiencing what we're longing for in relationships, what God made us for in relationships. The same thing is true vocationally and personally and certainly spiritually. Not dealing with our, our failures in the past in a proper way, not breaking through, can block us in the present from genuinely knowing God. It can block us from finding and living our purpose, which is why so many of us just exist and not even sure why we're here. It can block us from experiencing God's promise of fulfillment. So many of us are trying to find fullness in all the wrong things and things that can never do it. And it's because we're not finding it where we should because we're not, we're not breaking through our failures. It can block us from knowing and living out our value and our true worth from knowing and experiencing love and you name it. And really, I want to give you just two reasons. You, you might be able to think of a broader spectrum here, but I want to give you two reasons why, why they can become a roadblock, uh, a prison for us in the present when we don't deal with them in an effective way. The first is that our failures, when not dealt with, tend to be the lens through which others see us. And you know this is true, right? I mean, most people don't look at us and in the lens of all the great things we've done, they generally look at us through the lens of our biggest mess-ups. It's just the way this world works. It's weird. It's the media runs on this business. And I, I, the Bible says this really clearly. Look at Matthew 7, and these are the words of Jesus. I love how the, the message translation puts it. Don't pick on people, Jesus says. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. Wouldn't, that could have been an op-ed in today's paper. You know, for the politicians, for the marketplace. I, geez, don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. In other words, you throw it, it comes back and hits you. But it's true when we don't properly deal with our failures, they, they then become the lens through which others see us. And so others tend to judge us by our failures, right? And diminish us because of our failures and dismiss us, write us off because of our failures. And if we're honest, the way others see us has a significant influence on our lives. And if they're seeing us as these failures, it motivates us to, to try and convince them we're not. We lie and we create images and we do all kinds of things. We compromise our character and integrity to try and prove them wrong. And all the while, what we're doing is failing even more. It's ridiculous. But there's another reason. It's not just that it becomes the lens through which others see us. I, I think even more detrimental and damaging is the fact that our failures, when we don't break through them and overcome them, tend to be the lens through which we see ourselves. 
I mean, Paul the Apostle shows this pretty clearly. Look what he says in Romans 7. For I do not do the good I want to do, failure. But instead I do the evil I do not want to do, failure. And he doesn't stop there. Remember, he's writing this. And this I keep on doing. It's basically failure in every way to do what I want to do and doing what I don't want to do and I keep doing it. It's just an ongoing, it's who I am. And so look at what he says. He literally throws his, his arms up and says, what a wretched man I am. I mean, I, I picture him this way writing this passage because this passage really goes straight to my soul because I can relate with it so much. I, I see him putting his quill down, right? And just going, what's the point? But then the next passage says, Oh yeah, thank God through Jesus Christ, the victory's already been won. That's a man who understood that if he didn't break through his failures in the right way, he was just a wretch. But Jesus helped him to do it. But even he got caught up in seeing himself this way. And I, I think this is more detrimental and damaging to our lives than how others see us because how we see ourselves determines everything. You need to know how you see yourself determines each thought you have. How you see yourself literally determines each choice you make. How you see yourself determines what actions you take and what actions you don't take in life. It all emanates from how you see yourself. And so if we don't see our, ourselves through failure overcome, if we don't deal properly with our past failures, they block us in the present because we make all the wrong choices. They rob us of the confidence and the courage required to live and love and trust and risk and achieve and become the people God created us to be. So, so let me just bottom line this thing. When we see ourselves through the lens of our past failures, we do to ourselves exactly what others tend to do to us. We diminish ourselves. We write ourselves off. We define ourselves as failures. And this is kind of how it works in real life. We come to the place where we say, you know what? I couldn't do that before, so why would I think I could do it now? And the result is failure paralyzes us. Many of us are literally frozen in our failures. But the great news is that there's a truth that can set us free from this. All of us who have failed and all of us who tend to deal with it improperly. And, and the truth is this. God makes breaking through our failures possible. I don't know about you, but I just say thank God. I mean, God literally makes breaking through the devastation and destruction and damage of past failures possible. And a great example of this in the Bible is Peter, though I certainly relate to the pen of Paul, you know, who, you know, wrote Romans 7 and all that. I, I relate to the personality of Peter, this dude. <laughs> I, I, I could have, in fact, when I was putting this together for my own benefit and then to have a conversation with you about it, I, I had so many passages that there was no way, it would be like I'd have to read the entire Bible to you. It was crazy. And so I had to edit it down to a couple, but I, I, there's failure after failure after failure in this guy's life. It's crazy. But we don't think of him as a failure. We call him Saint Peter. 
Can't wait till history records me as St. Brad. You know, that's like, it's like crazy what happened here. So let me just show you one failure. It's a highlight failure after multiple failures. Look at Matthew chapter 26. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This is Jesus talking. Imagine this, right? This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me, deny me three times. Peter had been bragging about how I love Jesus more than you, you know, talk to the other guys, and I'm going to stand, and nothing can make me turn, and I mean, he was like, you know, and Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times, dude, and Peter declared, even though Jesus just told him what would happen, if you don't start believing what Jesus says, you're going down. I mean, this is an aside to us. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. No way I'm going to deny you. Jesus, you're wrong. Then, you know, Jesus is betrayed. He's being tried. And someone comes and says, hey, Peter. Or, hey, you, weren't you with him? No. Hey, you, weren't you with him? No. And then look at it. Then he finally began, the third time he was accused, to call down curses on himself. And he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. I know that moment, don't you? It's debilitating. Life-defining, very destructive and damaging. So how would you describe this moment in Peter's life? Success or failure? Failure. That's right. It looks like more than three people here, but from that answer, I think only about three people. <laughs> Failure for sure. But, but now look at another passage. Look at Acts chapter 2. You need to know Acts chapter 2 was really around a couple of months after the denial, if not even that. And a lot had happened since then. And, I mean, but this guy failed bitterly. Cussed out the world to prove he wasn't with Jesus. And yet the most important day of the church of Jesus Christ comes. He says, when the day of Pentecost came, the day that had been prophesied for so long, the day that John the Baptist was talking about, he says, I baptize with water, but God's going to baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit, with power. That's this day, the day of promise, the, the birthday of the church. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And this blows me away in verse 41. And Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice. He was the spokesman and addressed the crowd. What? Why not Andrew, right? Why not Thomas? I mean, he doubted a little bit, but seriously, he didn't deny like this. But no, Peter. God chose Peter on the day of Pentecost on the birthday of the church, on the day that had been promised, he chose the biggest failure among the 11. Judas betrayed him. He's out of the picture now. Out of the 11, the biggest failure out of the 11, that's who God chose to speak for him on the day of Pentecost. And look what happened. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to that number that day. I probably wouldn't even invite that guy to speak at Northridge. 
How would you, you describe this moment for Peter? Success or failure? Success. It's success all the way. In fact, it's the height of success. And here's what I want you to get. It was the height of success, and it was built upon the foundation of failures. God's made breaking through our failures possible. But here's the sad thing. We allow our failures to defeat us. We don't have to because they can lead us to our greatest successes. Do you know how I describe this moment in Peter's life? I describe it with, for me, four words that have become the most important in my vocabulary spiritually. And those four words are failure is not final. It's just not. It can be the foundation of our greatest successes. What I wanted to do is I just wanted to draw out some lessons from what we experience with Peter from the truths about failure and how they can become a foundation for our successes if we break through them. I just wanted to give you some lessons. No way that I can you know, round out the discussion of every one of these things. I'm going to throw them at you, maybe illustrate them a little bit, but I want you to take these and contemplate them and journal about them and think through them and maybe add to them because I'm telling you, failure is your reality and failure without a doubt, is in some way or another blocking you from everything God longs for you. You need to break through. So let's learn these lessons. First lesson, it's really, really important. God can use our failures to teach us. He really can. And as I look into Peter's life, God, God can use our failures to teach us about ourselves. I mean, think about Peter's going... Oh, you know, he's probably doing the Tarzan call. I'll never fail you. I love you more than everyone else. Those losers will fall, but I won't. I'll go to prison. Jesus, you're wrong about me. There's no way I'll do that. He, and by the way, don't you think he was sincere? Absolutely sincere. He really believed it about himself. And then in the moment, it was like, boom. How do you think he came out? Well, Instead of coming out destroying his life like Judas Iscariot did because of his failure, he came out and he realized, Jesus is right about me. I don't have the capability. I, I, I can't be the God of my universe. He learned about himself. I know in the beginning days of my ministry in this church, 28 years ago when I first came, I mean, I was a young dude. I was 32 years old when I came here and uh, to pastor this church. Uh, God handed me, it just, it wasn't this church that we're experiencing today, and there were lots of challenges in it, but it was this unbelievable privilege. But I'd had successful ministry, basically after successful ministry, after my first foray with the first little church, and, and churches grew, and churches did this, and I started kind of believing there was something about me, you know? They just keep promoting this dude, you know? They just keep giving him opportunities and it keeps working. And you start, you know, we're human beings. It starts tweaking us a bit. You know what I'm talking about? I literally had a, an interview in the Detroit News. And, uh, and I said, you know, like Jesus said, I will build my church, you know? And I, I didn't mean that I'd build my church. I mean, they, I was kind of misquoted even, but the truth is I really did think that I'd build this church. 
And then I went through the first two, three years, and all I did was fail after fail after fail because the church was too big for one personality to wrap itself around and move it forward. The, the needs were too great for a human being to resolve them. The conflicts and divisions were huge. It was just a mess, and I kept failing. And I broke one day. My failure after failure taught me a lot about myself. And I just went to God, I said, I can't build this church. And he said, I didn't call you to build the church. That's my job. I just called you to lead me into that church. Lead me into people's lives. And, and when I learned that about myself, it changed me. Failure is not the foundation of great successes because failure is a great thing. It's because God can teach us a lot about ourselves. And if we respond properly, help us to break through. God can use our failures to teach us, not just about ourselves, but about others. You know, Peter thought he was better than everyone else, and after it was over, it was a whole different thing. I love in Acts 2 where he didn't stand alone. He stood with the other 11. He says, guys, I'm going to speak, but I really need your support, you know? We need to do this together. And that's, that's a world-changing thing when you start learning that you're not better than others. You need others broken just like you are. And God can use our failures to teach us about himself. Jesus wasn't kidding when he taught them that it was his power in them that could make it possible, not them trying to live up to his truth. Another thing I learned from Peter is that God can use our failures because he can use our failures to grow us. I mean, failures are the positive thing, but but God can grow us through our failures, which allows us to break through those failures in the future. God can use our failures to grow us in so many significant ways. Think about it. It can grow us by weakening our belief in ourselves. It's, it's a parallel pattern with the, the last one I gave you. God can grow us through our failures by strengthening our belief in him. And I'm serious. After those first years here at Northridge, I... And I was broken. I'm saying, I can't build a church. He says, let me build the church. You just lead me into the church. You just lead me into people's lives. You just introduce me to people. Wake people up to me. You do that, and, and I'll build the church. I, I, I started putting all my stock in that. I believed so greatly that God was going to do something special here because I believed with all of my heart and with all of my passion that when Jesus said he'd build the church and the gates of hell couldn't prevail against it, he was right and the world was wrong. And so we just kept leading Jesus into people's lives and boom, and it strengthened my faith. My failure of faith led to the strengthening of my faith. It's an amazing thing. And then God can use our failures to grow us, and this is huge, by enlarging our compassion for others. Truth is, in the early days here, I, I, I had a passion and a compassion for being successful as the pastor of this church. But when brokenness came, all I wanted to do is help other broken people experience the redemption and healing of Jesus that changed everything. It increased my compassion. Peter developed a great empathy for others. In the beginning, he didn't. I'm better than you. You'll fall. I won't. But look at it towards the end of his ministry, what he wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7. You can cast all your burdens on him because he cares about you. And you know why Peter could say that with power? It's because he learned that's how he had to live. 
That's how you break through. God can also use our failures to shape us, literally to shape us, to wire us anew. He can use our failures to shape us for his plans and, and purposes. I mean, it's like he can shape us for it. I, I'm just going to say this. 20 years ago, I was not prepared for God's purpose and plans for my life today in any area, personally or professionally. I wasn't ready. But God has used my failures to help shape me to become more capable of fulfilling his purpose and plans in my life, in my life, more than I ever would have been without my failures. But the key is I have to let him do it. I have to let him shape me. I have to give it over to him. I have to deal with my failure properly. I have to allow him to help me break through it. And if I do, I fail forward. And the, the story of my journey as the leader of this church has literally been failing forward for 28 years. And I've heard fail forward a lot, but most people don't understand this. The only way you fail forward is if you break through the failures in the first place. Otherwise, you fail backwards. It stops you. You don't grow. You don't get shaped. And many people go, oh, you don't fail forward. No, you, you don't unless you let God help you break through. That's the only way you get there. The choice is ours. God also uses failures to shape us for everything we're looking for, for our satisfaction, which we're longing for in so many wrong ways. We pursue it and significance the same. We, but God can use our failures to get us to where we can genuinely experience satisfaction and significance. My satisfaction and significance has never been achieved in my life by me trying to do things on my own. That always leads to disappointment. You know, Peter, he wept bitterly. But when I let God break through my failures in my life, that leads me to all that I long for in the first place, satisfaction and significance. Failures become the foundation for it. So, so now let me proposition this with you. Since we know God can use our failures, there's no reason to ever let them destroy us or defeat us or deter us or diminish us ever again. Yes, we've all failed, but our failures don't have to be final. And so how do we weave that into our life? How do we get past it? How did Peter? Well, here's the application. If we're going to break through our failures, then we must make the choice to turn to and trust Jesus. We have to turn to him and trust him. That's how Peter broke through. Judas Iscariot kept doing things his own way, and he went out and hung himself. It was ridiculous. His failures destroyed him, like so many of us are experiencing. But Peter said, no, I'm going to turn to Jesus, and I'm going to trust him this time. This is what the death and resurrection of Jesus is all about. You know that, right? He died so that all the failures in our past could be put in a grave. Once you're dead, you're not failing anymore. It's all gone. The story's written. And then he rose again so that he could implant in us the resurrection new life. So we're no longer living the past. We're living hope and future. So what do we turn to and trust Jesus to do? Well, let's just use Peter as the example. We, we turn to and trust Jesus to save us. You remember the story of Peter out in the water that we looked at last weekend, right? He was starting to sink. And what did he do? 
Lord, save me. And what did Jesus do? Saved him. If he hadn't, he would have just kept sinking. Many of us are just sinking. But the way to break through is to say, Jesus, I can't. Save me. And Romans 10, 13 says it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. I don't know who you are, what your failures are. I don't know how bad they are. I don't know how deep you have them hidden. But I do know this, that if you're ever going to break through, you have to start by asking Jesus to save you. And so before I give you the last three profound but quickly expressed thoughts, would you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a minute? Just respect the moment. If you're here and you're saying, man, I, I am sinking, this failure thing, man, it's just overwhelming me. It's, it's defining me, diminishing me. Well, won't you pray with me? Take my words, wherever you are, take my words and make them your words expressed to God. Not out loud, in your heart. Just say, I'm calling on you, Lord, right now to save me. Man, I, I'm a failure. I've sinned. I've fallen short. I've blown it. I'm guilty. But Jesus, I believe you died on that cross to forgive me. And you rose again to make me brand new. And I'm asking you to save me. By faith, I'm asking. In your name, I'm asking. Amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, we'd love to help you know next steps that you can take. We want to give you a Bible, but to get those things to you, we have to know you prayed with me. And so all you have to do is take out your phone and text to the number 313131, It's a real easy number to remember. And the only message you send us is Northridge, and we'll send you that information. But it goes beyond that, right? If we're going to break through our failures, then we have to turn to and trust Jesus to empower us, because the truth is... I can be forgiven for my past failures but keep failing because on my own I don't have the power to stop failing. Peter failed because he was trusting in himself. He broke through because he started trusting Jesus and we need to do the same thing. Look at Matthew 26 verses 40 and 41. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping and he says, could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We need to ask God to empower us. If we're going to break through our failures, then we have to turn to and trust Jesus to lead us. Because what gets us to the wrong place is following the wrong leader. And we're generally following ourselves or other people. It's going all the wrong way. We need to... We need to Start following him. Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Here's what we do. We guarantee failure when we seek to promote ourselves rather than deny ourselves, which is what Peter was doing. I'll never fail. And so many of us are into self-promotion and it's just destructive. Instead, we need to deny ourselves and we need to say, there's only one thing I can count on. Jesus will never lead me to failure. And so I'm going to follow his leadership. If we're ever going to break through our failures, then we must make the choice to turn to and trust Jesus to use us. So many of us feel like God could never use me. You're right. 
And God could never use Peter, right? Wrong. We are not worthy to be used, but he is such a great and graceful God that he can transform us into people who can be used, but we have to turn to him. If you don't break through your failures, you'll never become what he wants to make you in his hands. Acts 2.14, Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Think about Peter. He stood up and gave the talk at Pentecost. In his failure, you see, he turned to and trusted Jesus to save him, to empower him, to lead him. And here's what he learned through his failure. He learned that he had nothing to offer people. But Jesus had everything those people needed. And so he didn't give them himself. He gave them Jesus. Failure taught him and grew him and shaped him to where he could become a person God used to literally change the world. I can tell you this, this is what I want for my life. How about you? I don't want my failures to define me. I want God's breakthrough in my failures and through my failures to define me. And if you say yes, man, that's what I want too, then don't forget this truth. God makes breaking through your failures possible. So if we're going to experience it, we just have to let him. We have to join Peter in letting our faith trump our failures. We need to pray every day, God, empower me today. God, lead me today. God, use me today. And if we do, then we can expect, like Peter, to break through our failures and to live lives that make a difference. You are not failure. You are loved by God. Let him break through your failures so that you can be like Peter, a world-changing person. And let's do it together. I'm so glad you were here. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.